Chapter Thirty Four of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Surprises Mr. Flockhart. Well, you and your friend Felix have placed me in a very pleasant position, haven't you? asked Lady Heyburn of Flockhart, who had just entered the green and white morning room at Park Street. I hope now that you're satisfied with your blunder. The man addressed in a well-cut suit of grey, a fancy vest, and patent leather boots, still carrying his hat and stick in his hand, turned to her in surprise. "'What do you mean?' he asked. "'I arrived from Paris at five this morning, and I've brought you good news.' "'Nonsense!' cried the woman, starting from her chair in anger. "'You can't deceive me any longer.' Crail discovered the whole game. The syndicate held a meeting at the office in Paris. He and I watched the arrivals.' We now know who they are, and exactly what they are doing. By Jove! We never dreamed that your husband, blind though he is, is head of such a smart and influential group. Why, they're the first in Europe. What does that matter? Crail wants money. So do we. But with all your wonderful schemes, we get none. Wait, my dear Winnie. Remain patient, and we shall obtain plenty. It was indeed strange for a woman within that smart townhouse, and with her electric brougham at the door, to complain of poverty. The house had been a centre of political activity in the days before Sir Henry met with the terrible affliction. The room in which the pair stood had been the scene of many a private and momentous conference, and in the big drawing-room upstairs many a cabinet minister had bent over the hand of the fair Lady Habern. Into the newly decorated room, with its original atom ceiling, its dead white paneling, and antique overmantel, shone the morning sun, weak and yellow as it always is in London in the springtime. Lady Hayburn, dressed in a smart walking gown of grey, pushed her fluffy fair hair from her brow, while upon her face was an expression which told of combined fear and anger. Her visitor was surprised. After that watchful afternoon in the Boulevard des Capuchins, he had sat in a corner of the Café Triminus, listening to Crail, who rubbed his hands with delight and declared that he now held the most powerful group in Europe in the hollow of his hand. For the past six years or so, gigantic coups had been secured by that unassuming and apparently third-rate financial house of Lénard et Morellet. From a struggling firm they had within a year grown into one whose wealth seemed inexhaustible and whose balances at the credit Léonès, the Société Générale, and the Comptoir d'Escompte were possibly the largest of any of the customers of those great corporations. The financial world of Europe had wondered. It was a mystery who was behind Lénard et Morellet, the pair of steady-going, highly respectful businessmen who lived in unostentatious comfort, the former at Eguin, just outside Paris, and the latter out in the country at Malum. The mystery was so well and so carefully preserved that not even the bankers themselves could obtain knowledge of the truth. Crail had, however, after nearly two years of clever watching and ingenious subterfuge, succeeded by placing the group in a hole in calling them together. That they met, and often, was undoubted, but where they met and how was still a complete mystery. As Flockhart had sat that previous afternoon listening to Crail's unscrupulous and self-confident proposals, he had remained in silent wonder at the man's audacious attitude. Nothing deterred him. Nothing daunted him. Flockhart had returned that night from Paris, 
gone to his chambers in half moon street breakfasted dressed and had now called upon her ladyship in order to impart to her the good news yet instead of welcoming him she only treated him with resentment and scorn he knew the quick flash of those eyes he had seen it before on other occasions this was not the first time they had quarrelled yet he keen-witted and cunning had always held her powerless to elude him had always compelled her to give him the sums he so constantly demanded that morning however she was distinctly resentful distinctly defiant for an instant he turned from her biting his lip in annoyance when facing her again he smiled asking tell me winnie what does all this mean mean echoed the baronet's wife mean how can you ask me that question look at me a ruined woman and you speak out he cried what has happened you surely know what has happened you have treated me like the cur you are and that is speaking plainly you've sacrificed me in order to save yourself from what from exposure to me ruin is not a matter of days but of hours you're speaking in enigmas i don't understand you he cried impatiently crayle and i have at last been successful we know now the true source of your husband's huge income and in order to prevent exposure he must pay and pay us well too yes she laughed hysterically you tell me after all this you've blundered blundered how he asked surprised at her demeanour what's the use of beating about the bush asked her ladyship the girl is back at glencardine she knows everything thanks to your foolish self-confidence back at glencardine gasped flockhart but she dare not speak by heaven if she does then then and what pray can you do inquired the woman harshly it is i who have to suffer i who am crushed humiliated ruined while you and your precious friend shield yourselves behind your cloaks of honesty you are sir henry's friend he believes you as such you and she laughed the hollow laugh of a woman who was staring death in the face she was haggard and drawn and her hands trembled with the nervousness which she strove in vain to repress lady heyburn was desperate he still believes in me eh asked the man thinking deeply for his clever brain was already active to devise some means of escape from what appeared to be a distinctly awkward dilemma he had never calculated the chances of gabrielle's return to her father's side he had believed that impossible i understand that my husband will hear no word against you replied the tall fair-haired woman but when i speak he will listen depend upon it you dare he cried turning upon her in a threatening attitude you dare utter a single word against me and by heaven i'll tell what i know the country shall ring with a scandal the shame of your attitude towards the girl and a crime for which you will be arraigned with me before an assize court remember the woman shrank from him her face had blanched she saw that he was equally as determined as she was desperate james flockhart always kept his threats he was by no means a man to trifle with for a moment she was thoughtful then she laughed defiantly in his face speak say what you will but if you do you suffer with me your exposure is eminent he remarked how did the girl manage to return to glencardine with walter's aid he went down to wood newton what passed between them i have no idea i only returned the day before yesterday from the south all i know is that the girl is back with her father and he knows much more than he ought to know murray could not have assisted her flockhart declared decisively 
the old man suspects him of taking those russian papers from the safe how do you know he hasn't cleared himself of the suspicion he may have done the old man dotes upon the girl i know that and she may have turned upon you and told the truth about the safe incident that's more than likely she dare not utter a word you're far too self-confident it's your failing and when pray has it failed tell me never until the present moment your bluff is perfect yet there are moments when it cannot aid you depend upon it she told me one night long ago in my own room when she had disobeyed defied and annoyed me that she would never rest until sir henry knew the truth and that she would place before him proofs of the other affair she has long intended to do this and now thanks to your attitude of passive inertness she has accomplished her intentions what he gasped in distinct alarm has she told her father the truth a telegram i received from sir henry late last night makes it only too plain that he knows something responded the unhappy woman staring straight before her it is your fault your fault she went on turning suddenly upon her companion again i warned you of the danger long ago flockhart stood motionless the announcement which the woman had made staggered him felix crail had come to him in paris and after some hesitation and with some reluctance had described how he had followed the girl along the nen bank and thrown her into the deepest part of the river knowing that she would be hampered by her skirts and that she could not swim she will not trouble us further never fear he had said it will be thought a case of suicide through love her mental depression is the common talk of the neighborhood and yet the girl was safe and now home again in glencardine he reflected upon the ugly facts of the other affair to which her ladyship sometimes referred and his face went ashen pale just at the moment when success had come to them after all their ingenuity and all their endeavors just a moment when they could demand and obtain what terms they liked from sir henry to preserve the secret of the financial combine came this catastrophe felix was a fool to have left his work only half done he remarked aloud as though speaking to himself what work asked the hollow-eyed woman eagerly but he did not satisfy her to explain would only increase her alarm and render her even more desperate than she was did i not tell you often that from her we had all to fear cried the woman frantically but you would not listen and now i am i am face to face with the inevitable disaster is before me no power can avert it the girl will have a bitter and terrible revenge no he cried quickly with first determination no i'll save you winnie the girl shall not speak i'll go up to glencardine to-night and face it out you will come with me i gasped the shrinking woman ah no i-i couldn't i dare not face him you know too well i dare not End of chapter 34